Hey everyone, my online course on the rehabilitation of the fitness athlete with Dan Pope is on sale this week. If you want to work with higher level fitness athletes and help people get back into the gym after an injury, this is the course for you. Head to MikeRandall.com slash fitathlete to learn more and sign up this week. On this episode of the Ask Mike Reinald Show, we are again at the ICA Society meeting in the Bahamas on site with Dr. Phil Page from Performance Health Academy talking about some interesting topics. We're going to talk about K-tape, we're going to talk about self-myofascial release, and we're going to talk about topical analgesics. And Phil has some phenomenal research and, and some great stuff answering these questions, so you're not going to want to miss this episode. The Ask Mike Reinald Show. Helping people feel better move better and perform better. Welcome back, everybody, to the latest episode of the Ask Mike Reinald Show. I am here, a special episode again, just like last time. We are here at the ICUS Society meeting. Uh, ICUS is a group of us. There's uh, almost 40 of us, uh, sport physical therapists, um, where we, we get together and uh, collaborate on some projects and go over our latest research and, and, and really try to you know stimulate the growth for, for sports PT and rehab. So uh, we're here at Atlantis in the Bahamas, actually, which is pretty cool, but we're doing an on-site Ask Mike Reynolds podcast. I'm here with Lenny Macrina as usual. He's he's, he's always uh, uh, the the hi, hi. hello hello. hello. <laughs> he's my favorite character. We're using a microphone for, which we don't usually use, which is super awkward for me, but awesome. I'm here with Dr. Phil Page. Uh, Phil is the director of research at Performance Health Academy, who's, you know, obviously, you know, I, I, what Phil does is amazing. If you actually look at the amount of research that he does on the website, and you got to give the website URL too, because I don't want to screw it up, but they have an amazing website, which I link to a lot in my stuff. You should read things, but, um, I'll let, you know, Phil give the URL, but I mean, there's so much research that he's always not only just regurgitating and, and digesting, but he's also producing a ton of it himself. So we thought on this episode, instead of getting some questions from you guys, Lenny and I always have a ton of questions for Phil that I think it's actually cool that we actually ask some questions to Phil. But before that, before we forget, tell me a little bit about the website. Okay, so it's blog.performancehealthacademy.com. And it's our regular, every day during the week, you'll get a little update of uh, an article, research or whatever. You guys do it every day. Just about every day, yeah. It's, it's a, it's a good, I love doing it. So research is my kind of nerdy passion. And then writing about it and translating it into digestible bites is where we're missing a lot of, of, of problems out. There's so many journals. I mean, how many do we read? Right. We, we had this right. discussion about how do you keep up with the research that's out there? And I think I get, Probably at least every day, a table of contents alert for some journal somewhere. And then you read one, it leads you to another. Right. So it's hard to keep up with it. And what I like to do is I like to keep up with it all, summarize it into those nice things that you can use on the next day. Right. So Phil and I are friends, obviously, because we do the same exact thing, right? We talk about this all the time. We almost do these websites for yeah. ourselves, right? Because we're, <laughs> do, we're, we're doing them anyway, but then we get to share it with you guys. So you guys kind of, kind of get to see that. So, uh, there's other, there's one other person from Performance Health Academy that you guys need to meet too. So it's Becca. You have to, so she's behind the camera, but you gotta come say hi. Just come, just say hi real quick. But she, 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 she her hair is not ready. She did a quick one. So Becca's behind the scenes all, a lot of times, but she's helping Phil with like the, with the, the blogs yeah. and, and stuff like that. So you see her name everywhere, but I just, I just, so sometimes it's good to see a, a face. 
to the name, yeah. right? Face right. the name. Did I say I'm that not well? Not a physical therapist, just a marketer who loves uh, working with worthy, great worthy writer. People. Very, very good writer. <laughs> all right, you guys want questions. I know what you guys want. So my, my first question, this is actually funny. Phil and I talk all the time, and we've hit a bunch of questions on the podcast recently that Phil has great answers to. So we said, like, geez, let, let's let's get let's get Phil to answer some of these. So the first one, let's talk about kinesiology tape. So everybody always asks about, do we use K-tape? What's the science behind it? What's the efficacy behind it? And we cite a few research studies that we know of that, you know what, like, we don't quite know the mechanism, but we know that people feel better and move better with it, so we're supportive of it. But Phil, give us us a quick rundown, K-tape, efficacy. Sure. What do you got? Well, people say there's not a lot of research on kinesiology taping. That's not true. There's not a lot of good research, but I mean, there's literally 350 published studies using kinesiology tape, and I've gone through every single one of them. And I'll tell you, when it comes down to it, the, the most the most impressive data is out of a, a meta-analysis uh, from Lim and Tay that was published last year, and it shows over the course of four weeks chronic musculoskeletal pain that there is a good effect on pain reduction. But just about anything else is not proven. You'll have one or two studies here or there that may, may say, you know, it, it decreases swelling or improves, you know, vertical jump or, th- or something like that. But in reality, the only clear thing that a kinesiology tape will do is provide pain relief pretty consistently. Now, there's also going to be that placebo effect, which we can't outrule because the problem is how do you do a placebo kinesiology tape. Some people call a placebo just putting the tape on without stretching it. But then people say, well, the stretch is actually part of the effect. And what's great about the Lim and Tay study was they did a little bit more of a retrospect, uh, a regression analysis, and they found out that tension does matter. For example, little bits of tension were associated with bigger effects. More tension was associated with less effects. So what's really cool about the taping is we know that it can reduce pain, doesn't work in everybody, but it can reduce pain. Tension is important. We don't know how much. So if someone's out there telling you, you must be between 25 and 35%, there's no proof for that at all. What I generally say is if you're between 25 and 50%, you're in the, the wheelhouse. Once you get past 50%, you're starting to get recoil on that tape, which can cause more irritation, more problems. You can still use it over 100%, over 50%, but just be careful. The other thing that I run into a lot of is, does the direction of the application really matter? Okay. Some people claim if I put it from origin to insertion, it changes the way the muscles work. Absolutely false. Now, what's, but I, I say that with a caveat. There was one study I read last month that said, that said there is some potential, uh, there is a little bit of potential, but it's not as black and white as one direction versus another. The big problem with kinesiology tape research is I would probably say 75 to 80% are on healthy individuals. So there's got to be a ceiling effect, right? So we don't have enough data on those that actually have problems. There's probably a handful. Here's another good one, ankle swelling. Everyone does that fan tape job you, you've seen to yeah, reduce swelling? Absolutely. Doesn't help. Nothing. Hundred patients with a- acute ankle sprains. But it makes those cool lines. Uh, they, they do look cool though, and what that's one of the things everyone promotes is that it looks cool. And so you have all this misinformation about oh, it it, it works by lifting the skin. We don't have any data for that. As a matter of fact, the big thing is lifting the skin with convolutions. That doesn't do anything either. Study on low back pain patients with and without convolutions, no difference. They looked at blood flow with and without convolutions, no difference. So it does increase blood flow. We know that, 
right underneath the skin, which may be a factor in the pain relief. It's probably that gate control theory of, of pain relief. But we really can't go around saying if we apply the tape in this direction and we create these convolutions with this pattern, it's lifting the skin, it's creating lymphatic flow. It does not do that. So it's almost like we're trying to make it a biomechanical thing where it's more of a neuromodulation type thing yep. more than anything else. So uh, to me, though, it sounds so, you know, again, amazing amount of information. It sounds like there's a definitive use for it, right? I mean, if you're just trying to help people, you know, move with less pain and just yep. feel a little bit better, it's a definite, you know, why not type thing. But I think as sometimes as a profession, I think some of the, the knocks towards kinesiology tape is that we, we give these false biomechanical rationales mm-hmm. to our patients. And and that's not appropriate, right? We don't we don't want to create those those false kind of thought processes. But you know, Len and I, you know, we, we apply it at times. It's certainly not something we do on everybody every day. But when we do apply it, you know, people say they feel better afterwards. That's, so that's all that matters. Yeah, I mean, that's that's why they're coming. Yeah, I think the take home. I think Phil's got some great take home messages. Is the tension doesn't matter, but maybe less is better. And just educating the person that you know we don't know the exact mechanism, but we know that pain typically improves. So let's try it. You know, try a few sessions and some people are going to buy in quickly. Some people are probably going to say, no, I've tried it before. It didn't do anything. So you don't use it on them. But I think knowing less tension and, um, and you know, the expectations for swelling and stuff like that that Phil talked about, you know, maybe that's not what we're going after. But somebody who has that, that, that pain response that you've tried some stuff and it hasn't worked, well, this is a new, a new variable to add to the mix and see if it helps. So I think that's great stuff. Yeah. One more thing to add. You, you just said it. Remember I said there's a huge placebo effect. And quite honestly, in the medical field and rehab, we also provide that placebo effect as professionals. And so the number one thing that's going to predict success of a treatment is what? Does the patient buy into it, right? Right. So if you go into this treatment with this, hey, this tape may help you, I'm not sure, do you think it's going to work? No. If you go in and say, hey, there's some research behind this tape. I think it might help you. Let's try it out. That's a lot better way to get buy-in for the patient. Yeah, love it. And then, yeah, well said. So, all right, shifting gears. Next thing, similar topic, though, in my mind, uh, self-myofascial release, right? So that's another big one. Um, Again, we're probably trying to make something too biomechanical. That probably isn't right. But uh, I guess a similar conversation on that. So, uh, Phil, what's the latest research on self-myofascial? You know, I love that question because – it is not as structural as everyone thinks it is, right? So what we have, we have tons of research that have been done uh, with our colleagues up in Newfoundland and Canada. They actually pioneered roller massage research, foam rolling research. And what they found was you're seeing changes in range of motion within five seconds of applying a roller massage. That can't be structural. You can't, you can't stretch the fascia that fast. So that was the first, uh, several years ago, they first said, well, this must be some kind of neurological mediated improvement in range of motion. And the group up there has been great. They've actually done like transcranial, uh, stimulation studies and things like that. We're looking at H reflexes on how this stuff actually works. And what we're finding is that it actually is a neurologically mediated um, improvement in flexibility. So first of all, it does work. It does improve your flexibility, but it's not going to be myofascial per se. So I call it basically neuromuscular, right? right? So what it's actually doing is it's having an effect on that, probably the spinal reflex loops. And just uh, recently and, and ongoing studies that they're doing up in Newfoundland right now, uh, they're actually showing that you get reciprocal inhibition, believe it or not. So if you're rolling on you know, the hamstring, you might shut down the quad. 
So you have to be careful if you're, you know, what you're trying to accomplish. And what they're recommending is if you have to go and roll the hamstring and you're worried about quad activation, you probably should do both or something like that or avoid it altogether. Sure. And the, and the, the big thing is it doesn't take a lot of time to do it. So you don't have to sit there for 30 minutes to get an effect. But what's also interesting, they just found last year, they're looking at different dosages of intensity. So how do you measure the intensity? It's usually the pain, right? right. So what they found was that subjects who use the roller massager at a 5 out of 10 on the pain scale did just as well as those who did 9 out of 10 pain. So it doesn't have to be painful. doesn't have to be long. You want to be sure that you're aware of these neurological uh, problems that are occurring out there. And it's a great alternative to static stretching. For those athletes that need to do those plyometric activities, you know, jumping, sprinting, we know that static stretching may decrease their performance. So what about putting a roller massager to increase their flexibility without decrements in performance? And those that group up in Newfoundland has also done the same thing. No decrements in muscle output, but there is an increase in range of motion. Boom. Did I tell you this guy was a ge- this guy's a genius? We have a mic to drop. I feel I don't want to I don't want to break Becca's mic though. That's, that's, that seems worse. So amazing. So you know some great take homes though, right? So especially if you're you're you know you're um, you know new to this profession, you're starting to look into like some of the research behind these things, and you're starting to look at you know the internet. Like everyone's going to tell you self myofascial release. Even the name, the name yeah. is so like you know you know you know poorly worded right there. But people get it. They're going to tell you all these like false reasons as to why it probably works. You know some great great kind of concepts there. And that's even with our manual therapy. I feel like we're the in the same process right there like it doesn't have to be aggressive it doesn't have to be intense like those types of things so yep. great comments uh a few episodes ago or so heck i don't remember how many now but a bunch we had we actually had a topic uh, um or a question on topical analgesics and we actually mentioned phil because i know he produced some some interesting stuff on here so again similar thought process now you know we talked about k-tape we talked about self-myofascial release let's talk about topical analgesics like biofreeze or you know flexol or you know ice hot any of these types of things again it's one of those you know you know does it work does it make you feel better you know our grandmothers love it right they all say to rub it on us when we have a sore hamstring or something like that but you know the question is does it work so again we'll go to phil yes (laughs) (laughs) wait drop (laughs) the answer is topical analgesics do have a place right and especially today with this opioid problem that we're seeing we're seeing that a lot of people are forgetting about these great remedies because all they're doing is popping pills. And they're forgetting about simple things like topical analgesics that are, they're regulated by the FDA and they're over the counter and they're safe. And what they're based on are based, these, these ingredients that we call these analgesics like menthol, camphor, um, capsaicin kind of fits in there, but it has a, it, 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 it's, it's a different, it's a different mechanism. Here's the cool thing, right? So, Each of these things that you put on the skin, when they're absorbed in the skin, they stimulate receptors. They're called TRP receptors or transient, a transient membrane potential. I can't even remember the name. We just call them trip, 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 TRPs. So menthol, for example, stimulates a TRP M8, a trip M8 receptor, which is sensitive to cold. So when you feel a sensation of cold on your skin, it's because your trip receptor went off. Okay. So it has a temperature gradient. And what happens is menthol, when it stimulates, when it goes through the skin, it actually stimulates that specific receptor. And it says, okay, it's cold. 
So it's an artificial cold sensation that goes into the spinal cord and then up through the sensory pathways to sense cold instead of pain. And that's why menthol is really effective. Capsaicin, on the other hand, activates a trip V1, a vanilloid receptor. Okay, so it actually will activate another receptor that's sensitive to heat. Okay, so these, that's the mechanism of action of these is to actually, uh, look at these receptors. Now, the, the, which one you use, it, you know, there's not a lot of head to head studies on which one you use. And it's, you guys mentioned it. It's what works best for you. If it's Biofreeze or some other product, it's what works best for you guys. So we find that there's a lot of great, uh, Great feedback from your patient. Oh, it worked or it didn't work. And what I, what I tell therapists is don't be shy to, to just give them the, the recommendation. Say, try it if you like it. Use it. If you don't, if it doesn't work, then don't use it. Right. The main thing is, and one of the studies that we're actually doing now, uh, uh, that includes Tim Tyler, who's on ICUS with us as well, is we're applying biofreeze as soon as we can after surgery, after the, the wounds closed and all that kind of stuff to help with the pain reduction. So these people are getting off of pain medications as soon as possible. Cause I think that's where the opioid problem can start that we can have as a profession, the ability to impact is use more of these pain relieving modalities that we, we don't anymore like ice and, and e-stem and, you know, a lot of that happened because they got rid of the reimbursement for it. So we forgot about it. So all we're saying, you know, is, oh, go take your pain medications. We can't do that as a profession. We've got to go back and go back to our roots of our what can we do as therapists uh, out there to reduce the pain of our patients so they don't have to depend on opioids. And and using this information of how biofreeze or other menthol-based um, analgesics work, we have five clinical studies that actually show that it does decrease pain in patients that have hand pain, back pain, that kind of stuff. So it does work, we know. Uh, just give it a try. So, Len, I, we use we have all these things in the clinic, right? I mean, so, like, in your experience, what do people say? Like, what, what, what do you think? Yeah, I, I think, again, it depends on the person, but I think what we're hearing, a common theme from Phil, is that skin, skin receptors, doing something involving skin and underlying tissue probably not myofascial type tissue, who knows, I don't know, but doing something to the receptors in the skin through tape, through foam rolling, through some kind of topical analgesic exactly. has effects that we don't know necessarily 100% understand. Uh, it's kind of tripping us out, so to speak. Whoa. But I think, I think getting something through the skin may have an effect on underlying pain receptors and muscle and muscle length and stuff like that. And I think, you know, I think we're onto something. It's a common theme that I think is very, you know, beneficial and valuable uh, as PTs and athletic trainers. So, yeah, you hit it. Uh, I'm on to exactly what you're saying is I started to see this relationship between pain relief, skin and blood flow. All of those modalities are going to increase skin blood flow. What does ice do? increase skin blood flow heat increase skin blood flow there's something to how when we do something in in myofascial i use the word right. rolling is more about a an, an afferent stimulus obviously it's not about changing the range of the the flexibility of the fascia it's an afferent stimulus there is increased blood flow to the area so the more things that we can do to increase that skin blood flow the better. What's interesting about Biofreeze, one more thing from the science geeky side of me, is, is that menthol will actually increase skin circulation but decrease peripheral circulation. So it decreases arterial blood flow to the area, yet it increases the skin blood flow. 
And it happens within the first few seconds. So if you look at what happens with uh, application of biofreeze, a menthol-based topical analgesic, when we put it on the skin, the arterial blood flow, we've done it in the, in the, the knee and in the, um, the brachialis, it'll shoot down immediately, but then it rebounds and it comes up. Ice takes a while to go down and actually decrease blood flow. So when we say you're applying ice to decrease the blood flow immediately, it's not happening as fast as it does with a topical analgesic like that. It's super interesting. So, you know, it, the first things I think it was like, you know, I always think, well, how do we use this more? And like, take a step back from the biomechanical stuff and realize that this, you know, this isn't, you know, it, it's not ice. This is something's happening chemically or something's happening in your body right here. So how do, how do we apply like biofreeze during icing or, you know, biofreeze with K-tape? You know, you start like putting these kind of concepts together. Um, you know, I know in the athletic world and athletic training, like, um, you know, the heat concept super important. So we use, you know, atomic bomb and red hot and Kramer Jesic all from like Kramer and those like kind of like all those ointments that they do in the training room type thing. You know, we use those all the time to prepare people to go out there because mm-hmm. they feel like they get looser a little easier. They feel like they can perform better. So again, we don't know. I think that's, that's the answer. But from what we do know, I, I don't see a reason to not use these things or more importantly, shun or even mock right. people that are doing these things because, you know, it's not biomechanicals. Just because we don't always know it doesn't mean there isn't a, a reason. It seems like there's efficacy behind all of these things to, to implement them into our practices. Just, we just gotta, you know, do it the right way. Right. Make sense? Yeah. Awesome. So I, I told you this guy's a genius. We got to get to the pool. That's an important thing. We got to get out of here. But thank you so much, guys. We will see you guys on the next episode. Go to MikeRinald.com. Click that podcast link. Ask us a bunch of questions. Um, we're not going to have as awesome of answers as Phil does in future episodes. I, I hope this didn't uh, um, decrease our, our effectiveness in the future now that uh, Phil has showed us uh, up a little bit. But uh, ask us some questions. Go to iTunes, rate and review, and we'll see you guys on the next episode. Thanks so much. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. If you have a question you'd like us to answer, head to MikeRinald.com slash podcast and fill out the form to submit your question. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And please share this with your friends to help spread the word. It would really mean so much to us. Please check out all my online courses, articles, newsletter, and more at MikeRinald.com. There's always a ton of great perks for my newsletter subscribers. And be sure to check for my other podcast, the Sports Physical Therapy Podcast, where I go deep into topics and interview leaders within our field. See you on the next episode.